Welcome to The Stream, a bi-weekly podcast from myself, Chelsea Frisbee, and my co-host, Anna Janiszewski. We stream our thoughts on mindfulness, self-care, mental health, spirituality, and all the ways that we move through life. This is our first episode, and we tackle the topic of boundaries. First, we introduce ourselves a little bit so you know who we are and where we're coming from with our perspectives. And then we dive into what are boundaries, what makes them healthy or unhealthy, what are some of the physical symptoms in the body to pay attention to that are uh, clues around boundary crossing, what are some ways to interact with technology and boundaries, and then we get into some of the practical how-to, so how do you actually set boundaries and maintain them. So we hope you enjoy it. And we wanted to start off today by introducing ourselves a little bit, uh, just because it is the first show. Uh, We're going to be on every Wednesday at 3, so you'll get to know us if you tune in. But um, to give you a little context, Anna and I actually grew up together. We spent a lot of our childhood uh, outside roaming the fields, wandering through the stream that uh, runs behind my childhood home. We both grew up on farms. Our families um, both have have established working farms in the Delhi area. And then we each went off to college elsewhere after high school and lived in different states for a number of years, eventually made our way, both made our way back home to our respective family farms uh, here in the Catskill Mountains. Yeah, that's right. And uh, since we moved back here, we reconnected and we found that while a lot of things have changed in the meantime, some things decidedly have not. And we still love wandering around pretty much aimlessly through the fields and um, especially along the Delaware River out behind Chelsea's home still. Um, And the idea for this show actually came out of one of those walks that Chelsea and I had she had a very simple thought that these questions we ponder and the reflections we're making on these walks are so intimately tied to the ideas of place and purpose and that the intersection of these is a deep interest in our community here. So we wanted to become more involved in that. Yeah, and I I first heard a program on WIOX, it was probably about a year ago, and I just thought like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that community radio exists still, like that this is a thing that everybody comes and brings you know, their own passion and, and, um, and, oh, I bet other people might be interested in, in some of the things that Anna and I are passionate about and that we talk about all the time. And so the idea for this stream was born out of that. Um, for me, this program is really just one of the, the number of ways that I'm working to build more connections in my community and beyond. I'm a life coach, uh, an author, a farmer, and a massage therapist. And talking about and practicing and um, talking to other people about meditation, mindfulness, um, yoga, spirituality, these are all just things that I really love and and are, am really excited to connect with other people about. And sometimes that's through one-on-one coaching or spiritual mentoring. Sometimes that's through group programs. Um, I lead a women's circle, both online and in person here in the Catskills. And these are just, I could talk about it for hours, which is why I thought, huh, maybe a radio show would be a good, a good place for that. So I'm thrilled to be, to be here with someone who, um, who I also really love and have, <laughs> have known since 
we were toddlers to get to to share some of our our thoughts and our musings and um, our passions with you. Yeah, that's so cool. And I've absolutely loved seeing all of the projects that you've been engaged in, Chelsea, since we started hanging out again back in our stomping grounds here. Um, it seems like you've added something new and very cool to your plate every time I see you. And I'm super honored and excited to be part of this project. Um, while Chelsea comes from these traditions steeped more in the spirituality and self-care practices, I will aim to be bringing a bit more of a clinical background to our musings here on the radio show. I've absorbed a lot in, in my own life um, in many mental health realms, and I really love nerding out about this or that psychologist, my favorite therapists, um, or different clinical studies. And I'm actually going to be starting a master's program in social work this year, and I'm looking forward one day to hopefully opening my own clinical practice and specializing in anxiety, traumatic stress, and substance use issues. Um, while this show, of course, is not a substitute for mental health services, and I am not a licensed mental health professional, I do hope that I can possibly offer some little insights here and there, some things that in my own life have been helpful or revel revelatory when I encountered them, and that they might be helpful for anyone else to think about in their life too. So each show that we do is, is going to be structured around a particular theme, um, which we'll each discuss from our own unique perspectives. And we'll occasionally be bringing in guests as well, um, but today our topic is boundaries. And yes, boundaries. We hear a lot about boundaries these days. Um, people saying things like, don't let toxic people in your life, or um, others will treat you as poorly as you allow them to. And we hear about things like codependency, which at its heart is a matter of lacking healthy boundaries and relationships and taking on another person's problems as your own or regulating emotionally off of their moods or lacking a firm and clear sense of this is me and that's you and there's a boundary between us. Um, but ultimately, what does any of this really mean and how do we know where to draw these boundaries or what they look like? What should we do once they're crossed? There are a lot of practical questions that we're going to try to explore today. It can be really tricky to figure out all of this. Um, I know for myself, I hadn't really had a concept around boundaries like I was like oh yeah that's a thing that people talk about and it's actually a conversation with you Anna when we were on one of our mm -hmm. walks I remember when you were talking about boundaries and I was like oh that's that's a lens that I can look at my life through and I can see that I I haven't always been good at, at having clear boundaries for myself and for others and it's it's something that I talk a lot with um with my coaching clients on also um that we can both set boundaries with ourselves about what we do with our time and energy, how we talk to ourselves, um, you know, what energy we direct towards others, and also how important it is to set boundaries with others. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and boundaries are hard. They're really hard, and it's an ongoing process. It's not something you get good at, and then you get to coast the rest of your life. Um, and I myself have also been super mindful recently of how I'm spending my surplus time and energy and really trying to delineate the boundaries that work best for me. Um, so what exactly are boundaries? Because it can feel like such a vague, elusive term. Um, generally speaking, boundaries are limits 
that we're able to articulate and set and when necessary convey them to others about the things that we need and the things that we will not tolerate. So these can be emotional, intellectual, physical, sexual, spiritual. Um, they can be things that we convey to others or they might simply be filters that we're putting up in ourselves. They can be about other people's behavior toward us. They can also be about our own behavior toward others um, or toward ourselves. And they're not always a matter of saying no. No, of course, is the most obvious, the simplest boundary, the one that kids first learn to say no to others. But sometimes they deal with the things that we are not getting. We might, for instance, choose to set a boundary to reduce the amount of time that we interact with someone or we might even discontinue that relationship altogether, and that might not be because someone has explicitly crossed a more obvious boundary like lying or stealing or abusive behavior, but simply because they're not meeting a fundamental need of ours. So it, it is tricky, <laughs> but again, generally speaking, they're just ways to say, this is me, that's you, and there is this boundary between us. Yeah, and I think there can be healthy, obviously there can be healthy or unhealthy boundaries. Um, and one of the, the properties of a healthy boundary is having the right amount of flexibility, right? So it's not too porous and it's not too rigid. I know for myself, I, I sometimes can be too rigid, um, with myself and with others. And, and so allowing for flexibility of realizing that like change happens all the time, you know, that I'm a different person every day that I wake up and, and that other people are, are different around me. But if I can hold on to like a, um, kind of a centeredness to my boundaries, seeing how they might change, how, um, they, they might be different for other people based on their upbringing, based on their gender, I know oftentimes, like, I will, some, if I fail to, to maintain my own boundaries, sometimes it's out of fear of being seen as mean or rude or, like, um, like I, I want people to like me, right? Especially, especially as women, I think we're socialized mm -hmm. to want to seem nice and agreeable, and that, that can make it hard to, to stand up for, for what we, we know we deserve or, or what we know to be true. Um, and so, yeah, cultural and just your background can have a really big um, impact on, on your relationship with boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot along those lines, um, a lot of it goes back to family upbringing, but situated in that context of culture in which um, the emphasis on manners often can translate from the child being told, you know, you have to go hug our guests. It's rude not to give them a hug. Later in life, that might make it harder for someone to maintain a physical boundary in a, in a similar situation. Um, and certainly for women, it can be a lot more difficult based on cultural expectations of of being nice um, as well. And I think especially for women, though for, for everyone, it a very common result of the fears of not being seen as nice is that we'll end up seeing passive aggression where initially we're, we're passive. We're thinking we shouldn't be setting a boundary in this particular situation, so we don't set any um, from the outset. And eventually, 
because it was an area in which we should really have set one, our resentment builds up until ultimately we lash out aggressively. Um, or some people end up getting stuck in one mode or the other, either having a really hard time breaking out of being passive or a really hard time breaking out of being aggressive. But I think it's super important to remember that the sign of executing boundaries in a healthy way is being assertive, not being aggressive, because a lot of people feel really empowered when they feel angry, which is how that emotion works. It, it is intended to make you feel powerful and to close off your ability to feel empathy for the other person so that you can act, um, so that you can protect yourself or your loved one or whatever the case may be. So it can, because of that, feel like you're being really clear about your boundaries and you feel a sense of self-righteousness in that, but the reality is that aggression, just like passivity, also comes from having weak boundaries. Um, I personally love what Brene Brown says about trying to maintain an attitude and interactions with others of a soft front and a strong back. Um, in other words, to, to not bristle and put up walls and be aggressive, but also simultaneously to maintain a very strong, clear, assertive sense of yourself while you're, while you're being open and curious about the other person's reality, which of course is a lot easier said than done. Um, but I think that all of this also really points to one of the most tricky and super important boundaries that we navigate, which we could call the listening boundary or the filtering boundary, which is an intellectual and emotional limit that we use to figure out what's true for us when someone else brings us their truth or their perceptions or beliefs. Um, for example, if a coworker or perhaps your partner is by nature very perfectionistic and a workaholic, always demanding a lot of themselves and never feeling that they're doing enough, they might be especially likely to look at others with that same critical eye and one day they may turn it on you and say, you're not doing enough, you're being lazy. And then at that point you have to pause and look inward and decide for yourself if that's true for you. Um, and ideally what you can do is get to a point ultimately where you maintain that strong sense of yourself while also being truly open to the fact that their experience might be different from yours and being curious about their feelings and their reality, but not losing that strength in your sense of self so that you're able to say, I understand that that's true for you. But for me, I've, you know, come a long way in my life. I have worked past <laughs> a point where I, I'm able now to um, for me, this is especially relevant because I struggle a lot with anxiety, especially coming from extreme perfectionism and feelings of not doing good enough or not doing enough. So if someone says something like that to me, even if it's a projection of their own self-criticism, I am much more likely, that's much more likely to trigger uh, negative self-talk in me that's still latent somewhere in there. So I have to be really mindful in moments like that and reconnect, remember what I've gone through and how I've gotten to a point where in fact I'm good with me so I can maintain that this this might be true for this person they might see me this way and that doesn't mean that that has to be true for me I can choose to say this is a boundary and I'm not allowing that opinion to cross it into my own head and heart yeah that's so powerful mm -hmm. um I think we will have future shows where we talk a lot about perfectionism <laughs> and uh, negative self-talk because I'm also steeped in in being a very perfectionist-natured person. Um, so stay tuned for that that episode. <laughs> um, I also am so glad that you brought up 
that that part about Brene Brown. I really love her mm-hmm. and her podcast and her books. And I don't, I'm not sure that I've come across that um, soft front and strong back. Mm. But I really, that resonates with me a lot. I also, um, I love what you said about, like, it's kind of what we learn, starting what we learn about boundaries as kids. I know, like, growing up, yeah, you, like I personally experienced. Oh, right, I sh- I have to go give a hug to this this family member because that's what's expected, and I'm really loving seeing my nephews who are three and six, growing up differently. You know, like that that there have been some shifts around this societally, and now they're you know learning about consent and and it's okay for them to say no. I don't mm. want to give you a hug and like. I've almost had to shift my own, like, oh yeah, this is how they're operating from, and so I'll I'll ask now, like Porter, can I give you a hug? Mm. Yeah, he often says no, <laughs> and that's okay. And yeah. and I think that that's that's such an important kind of marker of these little shifts that are can can start to take place as as more awareness grows, um, you know, around the importance of healthy boundaries and of raising kids who who start being well more well versed in this from from the beginning. So we're going to keep talking about boundaries and um I wanted to bring it in you know it can be easy to get kind of stuck in the intellectual level of boundaries but I also part of my work is like bringing people into their the body because I'm a I'm a body worker also. Um and one of one of the signs that a boundary has been crossed, um, it, I mean, it's different for everyone, but personally, a sign that I notice when a boundary has been crossed is anger. Um, it could also be like a bad feeling in your stomach or noticing anxiety coming up. These are all um, ways that, that our bodies and our emotional landscape are trying to signal something to us. Um, and it can be just an indication to, to pay attention. And um, this, this sort of creating awareness and being aware of your body, being aware of your emotions, is a pr- really it's a practice. And it, it involves a lot, a lot of curiosity and um, an ability to really notice what's happening in in your life and in your landscape without immediately going into fixing mode or immediately going into to judging, um, self-judgment or, or judgment of others. So, um, you know, what, what happens for myself if I notice, oh, I'm, I'm like really irritated or angry right now. The next question that I have is like, okay, so is that, is that, a boundary that that I haven't kept. That's that's usually what it looks like for me. Is um, when when I'm not keeping my own boundary, and so then there there has to be like a next step, right? There has to be some consequences of like what happens when someone does um, not respect your boundary, or what happens when you break your own boundary. It can be really easy to to fall into like self-criticism or criticism of others um and i try to bring in self-compassion so a a concrete example of this would be um 
I have tried, I, I work a lot in for myself and with others in self-care routines and um, like spiritual practices. And one of the things that, that I really set for myself as a, a boundary around around my sleep and my waking was about a year ago, I said, I get up at 6 a.m. every weekday. And that was a commitment that I was making to being able to have enough time in my day to like have time for meditation and starting my day off right and um, setting the energy that I wanted for my day. And, you know, I certainly wasn't perfect at keeping up that that commitment and that that boundary around my self-care and and what I was what I was really um committing to for myself but I had a choice right I could I could lie in bed and hit snooze for an hour and like the entire time be feeling bad about it and um criticizing myself and uh you know falling into that negative self-talk or I could choose self-compassion and say all right I tried that didn't really work that well. And there's another opportunity tomorrow. <laughs> and so that, I think that that's true both with, with these boundaries around self and, and with others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I really like a lot of what you just said about noticing where a boundary has been crossed. And I think, um, you know, because with anxiety issues, especially, you want to be pushing your own limits somewhat. You it, you can't just shy away from something or say, I'm drawing a limit here every time you feel some discomfort. Um, very often, that discomfort is something to actually push, um, and that's how you get stronger. But I think there's a huge difference in this case between that kind of uh, discomfort that you might feel excited to push yourself towards something new. It's just a, it's a little scary, that's all. It makes you a little bit nervous versus these examples of feeling angry um, or or uh, frustrated with someone else, which typically means that they're, this isn't something you're choosing to push yourself into. This is something someone else is pushing upon you that you're not ready for or comfortable with. Um, or in the example of laying in bed, thinking about wanting to get up for an hour and feeling bad about yourself, there's shame there. So I think very often anger signals boundaries with others and shame can really clue you into where you might be crossing your own boundaries. But I think also, like you're saying, Chelsea, in all of this, compassion and curiosity are absolutely key. And if you're not able to cultivate those and instead fall into self-criticism or, or harsh criticism and judgment of others, you'll end up just piling more trouble on top of what already exists. So I think if we can start from these places of compassion and genuine curiosity and take a little bit of time and a few deep breaths after we think a boundary violation may have occurred, we'll be much better equipped to figure out what we need to do next. And sometimes, um, as far as consequences goes, sometimes we simply need to restate the boundary that we've already stated, letting the other person know, hey, this is one of those times that I was talking about, because very often, especially with family members or other long-term relationships, patterns have simply become so ingrained that you actually do need to have a good deal of repetition and patience 
And if we can avoid becoming immediately defensive and angry, we're going to have a much better chance of getting our message across and getting what we need, which, of course, is assuming that the other party is truly capable and willing. Now, on the other hand, if we've stated a boundary clearly several times, say we've told our partner that we don't feel comfortable when they, every time we're driving with them, they speed excessively and start road raging out of control while we're in the passenger seat and they continue to do this, they may not be capable or willing to meet our need um, and respect our boundary with that. So we might have to then impose a consequence such as, okay, I've asked for this and, and this isn't happening. So I insist from here on that when we share a car together, I will be driving. Um, so that's one example of, uh, of the sequence of events that may lead to setting and following through with a consequence. Yeah, and I like that example because it reminds me about often what's like below our boundaries, like sort of foundational, is um, our values, right? Mm -hmm. And so with the example that you just gave, it you're valuing your safety yeah. <laughs> and your life. Sure. Um, in that case, and and deciding that like. I care about this value. This value is important to me enough to to speak up, to use my voice to maintain this boundary, even with, you know, if it's a partner, even with someone who I'm very close with and who I love, but who isn't who isn't sharing mm. my my value. And um yeah, so I just I love that example because it really pulls out how oftentimes we're really responsible for for how our values get played out in our life and responsible for the the boundaries that that sort of allow for for them to to play out and for for us to um flourish as humans um one one thing that i've been thinking about a lot recently is um technology and my own boundaries with technology. I think we live in an age where it's really easy to get sucked in over and over into social media, into smartphone that, you know, has literally everything that like I, I made a list recently of, of all the things that I use my phone for. And it was like calendar grocery shopping list, <laughs> uh, calling people, texting with my friends and family, checking my personal email, checking my work email, doing my banking, you know, all of these things. It, it literally encompasses a lot of the logistical parts of our whole lives. And having, um, I've really worked on my own boundaries around technology use to be able to feel better about, about that, um, that I'm not connected all the time that I still have like my sovereignty as a human being mm. outside of a screen. And one of the ways that I've done that is to, to not have my phone in my bedroom anymore. So I, I put it on silent and I leave it in the living room. And so I have like, usually it's, I probably check it right before I go to bed, but, um, and then maybe an hour or two after I get up, but there's, there's a chunk of time there. Maybe it's eight to 10 hours where I'm totally not even close to my phone, mm. which feels really important. And that, that, you know, that's being willing like to say no to something, um, 
which is, to, in that case, just to say no to my phone for a little bit. And that's actually opening up space for for something else, which is, in this case, freedom mm. and, and like being disconnected. Um, but that's, I think that that's the case often with setting a boundary, whether it's like saying no to a, a time commitment, you know, maybe a volunteer commitment that you've been doing for years and you're not really feeling anymore. And, and there's a lot of power that comes from being willing to listen to yourself and, and what your current needs are. Um, maybe set, just uh, listen to them and, and say no. And then it opens up Oh, I have an evening a week. What am I going to do now with that? And it's it's allows for maybe something that's more aligned with where you are in your life at that point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and through a lot of that, um, the importance of commitment to our boundaries is a common theme through a lot of that. And I think certainly the first step of honing in on your values. I had a, a fortune cookie recently that said, what did it say? It said, um, when you become clear about your values, making decisions becomes easier, something to that effect. Um, and I think that is a really important thing to keep in mind here because it can get so confusing, all of these choices sometimes. And so that's a good first step. But then you do need to also bring in that level of commitment, which I think especially when you are setting boundaries with yourself, like restricting your access to your phone or whatever the case may be, it can often be especially hard to commit to our own boundaries with ourselves. Um, it seems like somehow harder to do that. But at the heart of that, of course, is the fact that we need to believe that we're deserving of what we set out to achieve in the first place. That the reason that we're setting this boundary with ourselves. And that we, by extension, um, that, that the reason is important, that we, by extension, are important. So, um, you know, the saying that others are going to treat you how you allow them to treat you, after all, is very true. If we set a boundary with someone and then we allow that line to move around whenever that boundary is crossed, that person is not going to learn on a fundamental level that that actually is a limit and that they actually do need to respect it. They are not going to take it seriously, even if they're even if they have the best of intentions. We're not telling them that it needs to be taken seriously, and the same thing goes for the boundaries and goals that we're setting for ourselves. If we create a boundary for ourselves to put our phone in the other room, um, and then five minutes later say, "Ah, you know what? Who cares? This is stupid. I'm gonna just go get my phone," and we don't follow through with our own boundaries and we're repeatedly moving the goalposts like that, we are also on that same fundamental level going to be literally teaching ourselves that we are not worth the level of respect that we had wanted in the first place and that we're not that important. Um, my example with that one that I like to think about is when I set an alarm for myself in the morning to get up at whatever time. Um, very, very often when it goes off, I will immediately have the thought that eh, I really don't need to get up right now. Like it's actually not, it's, it's actually a better idea to get another hour of sleep. And I believe it so hard in that moment. It's very compelling. Um, and I, I really have to consciously remind myself that my 
past self who set that alarm felt that that was important. Um, and I really want to respect that person because for so many of us, it's a lot easier for us to value other people's time more than we do our own to say, you know, if we have a meeting set with someone, um, it's, we're much more able to say, I cannot be late to that meeting with so-and-so at whatever o'clock because it really matters what they think of me ultimately. But somehow it's sometimes impossible to translate that into our own lives and say, I can't back out on my own plans um, that I set for myself because it also matters what I think of myself. And honestly, shouldn't that matter most of all what we think of ourselves, not what other people think of us, but it's the easiest thing to to disregard in a moment where it feels, well, not fun. Yeah, I love what you brought up about self-worth, and um, that happens to be the topic we're going to be discussing next week, Mm, so tune in for that. Um, But, Anna, I was wondering if you could tell the story give the example um I think you you told me this when we were on that walk the first time we started talking about boundaries about the the fence oh yeah the fence (laughs) sure (laughs) it's a good one um yeah yeah well you know I think um sort of first of all along the lines of uh the fact that it isn't always something explicitly awful or unkind that might constitute a boundary violation. Um, Sometimes people love us very much. We love them very much and we still might need to recognize a need for certain boundaries because we're, we're simply different and very often they can help to facilitate healthy and rewarding and close relationships and are not necessarily indications of incompatibility or um, a need for disentanglement completely. So I think, you know, along those lines, thinking about, boundaries as actually things that help facilitate healthy, rewarding, close relationships. There's this analogy I heard at some point, and I can't remember where I heard it, but um, it is that there's, say, an elementary school where a bunch of kids are playing outside during recess, and the, the lawn where they're playing borders a highway, and there's just a sidewalk between the highway and this lawn where all these children are running around So the adults, the recess aides who are watching over the kids get super nervous. You know, they're, they're trying to relax and have fun themselves. But anytime one of the children approaches that swath of land, that's say 25 feet from the sidewalk, everyone, their little alarm bells start ringing because if one of the kids kicks a ball out in the road or who knows what happens, that could obviously spell out disaster. So everyone bristles at that point. And finally, one day, the school decides to build a big, sturdy fence that goes right along the sidewalk. So just um, splits that sidewalk off from the lawn. And then all of a sudden, everyone is able to relax and the kids can run right up to the fence. They know exactly where it is. They can run into it. Even it's so strong. Um, and, you know, no one has to wonder and worry about where that border is. Um, and I think also one of the key components of that story is that, in fact, so much space has been gained, too. You th- people think of boundaries as restrictive. Oh, I can't set a boundary with 
my partner or my parent or my whoever because, you know, I don't want to um, restrict our relationship. I don't want to lose closeness. And in fact, it actually often ends up letting everyone just breathe a sigh of relief and actually gain all this space knowing, oh, I can walk right up to the fence. I know where this person's boundary is. Um, it often comes up a lot in romantic relationships if people have different attachment styles and one person might be more on the avoidant spectrum and one person um, on the anxious side of things and they might want to hang out all the time and you know these people are obviously going to then have a lot of friction between them wondering where is that line, where exactly is that line between my needs and the other person's needs and if, if they're able to communicate these needs um, early and clearly, it actually ends up facilitating a much more open, close, healthy relationship. Yeah, I really love that, too, with um, thinking about that example with the fence of of it creating more space mm. and that um, not only just, like, safety, right? It's, like, everybody's safer. Like, mm -hmm. the, the cars driving by and the kids and, like, the adults trying to keep all the kids safe, but also, like, more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And that's that's something that we... Um, we haven't really talked about yet, but, but I think relates to the values part of it, right? Is like, if one of our values in life is like enjoyment and, and joy and <laughs> like figuring out what those things are that, that bring you joy, um, that can, can be really powerful of like creating the space that you need for that um so yeah that's that's such a good visual and i hope i hope others find that as yeah. helpful as i have since yeah. i first heard it sure i mean yeah the creation of that space right comes from the fact that you don't have to divert all of this energy into worrying and being on alert right you know in any relationship if you're not sure when you're going to hit someone's boundary or you're not sure when they're going to hit yours there's a lot of nervous energy walking on eggshells kind of stuff that comes up around certain issues. And if you can just do away with that energy altogether, you get to redirect it saying, saying, no, I don't want to spend all of my energy in this area allows you to take that energy and put it somewhere more joyful. So we're, we're coming to the close of the hour here, and I want to end with just a couple of practical steps uh, involved in setting boundaries. We've, we've talked kind of intellectually and maybe a little bit on the body level and um, given some examples, but if you're wondering, how do I actually go about setting boundaries? The first step is to really access and articulate to yourself uh, what boundary needs to be acknowledged and addressed. We've talked about a couple of different ways that we can we can tune into our feelings and our bodies as signs that can help us figure that out. Our second step would be to communicate that boundary to another. Um, keeping in mind for yourself in future interactions um, what that boundary is. And this, I, I love talking about this um, because it's it's around like communication, right? So I'm a writer and I, I, I like communicating a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it's, there's a lot about like using our voice, like having the courage even to use our voice to, um, 
in in situations with other people and and one of the important things is to be really clear and concise mm. um and not over communicating but also being simple and um not apologizing for setting the boundary and then step three if relevant um you may need to set consequences whether you communicate these to the other person or not and you need to be prepared to repeat yourself um to follow up to the thing with boundaries is it's not going to be that you said it once and it's done you said it once and then a week later there's going to be another opportunity for you to set it again and so it's it's really committing to to that and following through on on the consequences that you set yeah 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 i think that issue around not over communicating and not apologizing can be um especially hard for people like myself certainly who really care deeply about how the other person feels it's very easy to jump right to thinking about how they might feel in the face of this boundary that I'm about to set with them and um, coming in, therefore, with this attitude of apology or explanation. And I think when it comes down to actually setting a boundary that you do have every right to set, it's important, especially with longstanding relationships, to set it very clearly um, to not over communicate because that just gives a lot more room, a lot more wiggle room. And also to keep in mind that when you do that, when you rock the boat, there is going to be some upset and the other party very likely will come back with something like, but you didn't used to need this. Um, you know, why, why do you need this now? Are you sure? Well, maybe you're just in a mood and next week you'll be able to help me with that thing. Um, so just really, really being clear and firm and repeating yourself when necessary is pretty key. That was episode one, Boundaries, with Anna Janiszewski and myself, Chelsea Frisbee. We hope you'll tune in for more episodes of the stream as we kind of wander through all the ways that we move through life, through topics of mindfulness, mental health, spirituality, self-care, and uh, can't wait to continue wandering with you. Thanks.